Welcome to the first The Candle podcast. I'm your host, Saul Asiel Flores. And for our inaugural podcast, who better to have here than our new pastor, James Ueda. Thank you, Pastor, for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited. So uh, this has been your, your third Sabbath here in Needles and your third Sabbath in the district. So how are you and your family settling into the new district? Surprisingly, we are transitioning very well. Uh, we thought that uh, the heat will get us. Uh, the new environment will shock us. And uh, of course, we're going through uh, a major change in our lives, but uh, we have been just blessed with uh, people uh, there at Barstow and also in Needles uh, who have made us uh, feel so welcome and um, so part of uh, each, the, the, the church, the congregation. The, the people especially have made us feel um, comfortable and welcomed where uh, I feel that our transition has gotten that much uh, smoother. So you're here with your family. Can you tell me a little bit about them and their names? My family, uh, my wife's name is Sachi. Uh, and uh, yeah, Sachi, S-A-C-H-I. Um, the easy way to remember is, uh, you know, there's a brand name called Versace. So take <laughs> yeah. out the V-E-R and just say Sachi. So yeah. that's, that's, that's the proper pronunciation. It's Japanese. And her parents gave her a Japanese name and no English name. My wife was born in Mexico City. And soon after, uh, the whole family moved to Southern California there in Orange County. And uh, my wife has been living uh, pretty much all her life in Huntington Beach and um, Fountain Valley area. Uh, which is a, a neighboring, you know, city to uh, Huntington Beach. We have two uh, young ones, uh, little ones, a four-year-old Jaden and a two-and-a-half-year-old Kylie. And then also uh, my brother-in-law, my my wife's uh, older brother. Uh, he lives with us and uh, he's part of our family, just as our, our little ones as well. And his name is Kenji. One of the things that he loves is he loves maps. Uh, he loves uh, navigation. Uh, he is like literally... Uh, a living, walking, you know, GPS. So uh, driving, you know, over to Needles, uh, he tremendously enjoyed that whole, you know, the uh, the driving, uh, looking at the, the highway and uh, looking at all the exits and then comparing it with his, uh, uh, the map. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the things that he loves doing. He's really good, great at bowling. I think he can beat me. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> he has some hidden talents as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have uh, two dogs. Uh, they are Japanese breed. It's Shiba Inu. One's white and one is like red, you know, light brown. One, one's name is uh, Max and another one is Kai. So your wife was born in Mexico City? Yes. So she's Mexican. He's, yes. So like I, me. I, so, yeah. So I, I always tell my friends and, you know, tell, you know, the people that I'm, you know, getting to know, you know I tell everyone that I married a Mexican, you know, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, my wife has uh, family members still in Mexico City. Her uncle teaches at a uh, university there at Mexico City mm -hmm. and also uh, her aunt, uh, her cousins. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, we, we have family members living oh, in yeah. Thank you for asking. How was that whole process for the first time for you guys, you know, looking for a house? How did all that go? Was it smooth or was it rough a little bit? Yes. Um, and, you know, I'll just go to the punchline. Both my wife and I uh, really believe that God has led the way uh, from beginning to the end. It was a month before uh, my final Sabbath at uh, my former church where we made an announcement uh, to the congregation about me leaving so when we made that announcement, the following day, my wife and I, we decided to take our kids to go up to the high desert, you know, just get ourselves familiar with the area, just drive around, you know, see what's up there. 
And then, you know, we began to download some of the apps to find homes that we can rent. And so from that day and then we began to just contact some of the uh, the real estate agent. And uh, that week, by Friday, we turn in an application. And then the, the next Monday, we got accepted uh, wow, for a home man, there in Victorville. Awesome. So within eight days, things began to take form and shape. And so uh, to be able to have a place where we can call home, that kind of brought down, you know, our our concerns, our tension when it comes to the, the move is concerned. Yeah. And then from that, uh, you know, just connecting with Louis Bravo, the head elder here at Needles, and also the head elder at Barstow as well, and just meeting with them offline um, over the phone and also meeting with them face-to-face. And I know that Saul, uh, before my my first Sabbath here at Needles, uh, mm-hmm. I came by uh, to Needles Church, and you were there there to welcome me as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been uh, surprisingly a smooth transition. Our excitement as far as what God is in store for us moving forward uh, far outweigh, you know, all the changes that we have been experiencing. Yeah. And, and I, I feel, I mean, being a pastor's kid and— Having gone through that move, I feel that having everything ready, your house, everything, it, it's it's it just makes everything so much easier, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and especially when you have two kids, uh, they're quite rambunctious, and uh, so we weren't, you know, really sure how they're going to respond to the change. Um, also, my brother-in-law Kenji has a disability; he has autism, mm-hmm. and autistic people, generally speaking, they don't do well when it comes to change, and so. We weren't really sure how he was going to respond to the change. And all of that just worked out in a way where my brother-in-law, Kenji, is uh, probably the most excited one, you know, and we're all excited to be here, but he is just on another level. And so, yeah, as a pastor and, um, you know, been born and raised in a pastor's uh, family, mm-hmm. uh, having a place to call home is a major factor. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think that a lot of people forget that it's not just the pastor, it's the pastor family that's also moving from a church to a different church. Like, for example, your your, your kids are still younger, but when, when they get a little bit older, they're going to have, you know, friends and all that stuff and be involved in church. So I, I know that having a home and having a place to call to go home, but just relax is very, very important. Yes, yes. And one of the things that uh, my wife today, yeah, after our uh, lunchtime, as she said that, uh, you know, she can already tell our, our kids just loving this environment because uh, Jaden finally has a four-year-old that he can hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Our four-year-old son, you know, uh, just hanging around with another four-year-old. There seems to be a lot of small children and also youth members here at this church. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, definitely that dynamic as well has just continue to make us, you know, made us feel, you know, more and more at home. Yeah, that's that's important. You know, we we like to be friendly around here in this place. So, <laughs> so uh, let's take a little step back when you were when when you were in college. Uh, yes. Today, you in your sermon, you mentioned that you went back to school for theology. So, had you gone before to college and gotten different a different degree before going into theology? Yes. So uh, back in 1990, I uh, enrolled, attended a private uh, Seventh-day Adventist Christian college. Uh, it's a liberal arts co- college uh, called Pacific Union College there in Northern California, about a uh, two-hour drive up north from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I attended there my first year. Boy, I didn't know, you know, what what I was interested, uh, you know, what major, you know, I want to, you know, pursue so my first year has been uh, a kind of a blur. 
mm-hmm. you know, just entertaining different areas of study and so forth. And my second year, I decided to go into psychology. And so I stuck with it and then graduated with uh, a bachelor's in psychology there at uh, Pacific Union College. Mm-hmm. So yes, prior to going into theology program, I studied psychology. What ultimately helped you decide to go back and get you know, get your theology degree? Yes, yes. Um I was born and raised in a, you know, Seventh-day Adventist Christian home. My father is a uh, retired pastor. So uh, just like Usaul, yeah, just been, you know, born and raised in an environment where moving around, uh, going from churches to churches was my norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a Seventh-day Adventist Christian school all my life and uh, went to a boarding academy there in Singapore uh, for four years. So when I uh, enrolled and attended Pacific Union College, I was overwhelmed by the level of freedom that I had. And one thing led to another, um, and, and, you know, just allowing myself to be influenced, you know, uh, when it comes to my friends. And and, and I saw my friends uh, just uh, beginning to kind of weaning away from church and, and doing their thing. And, you know, uh, yeah, just uh, being accepted and, and, and belonging, um, you know, with my friends uh, and, and also having their approval was, uh, you know, uh, was something of a yeah, of priority in my life. Uh, and so, you know, one day my friend said, you know, James, you know, why do you go to church when you're just sleeping all throughout the worship service? And, uh, and that's when, you know, something hit me and said, you know, I, I don't want to be a fake. I want to be honest and real uh, with myself. And, uh, and from that day forward, uh, yeah, I stopped going to church and, uh, and I would go out with my friends, you know, watching movies, going golfing, you know, and sometimes we'll go two rounds, three rounds at a time. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, going bowling all night, you know, uh, and going to this place that we, we would always go uh, to bowl. And, and so, you know, I thought that was the life. And uh, my first year, yeah, everything was, uh, you know, was just fresh. It really stimulated me to, you know, just uh, I thought I was just, I could just thrive, you know, in that environment, uh, just uh, being with my friends. And after, you know, my second year and third year where I began to really feel the void within. And it's amazing how, you know, you try to keep yourself busy, especially when you know that folks are out there worshiping on Saturdays or, you know, whatnot. So I'll try to keep busy and nothing uh, worked for me. And so, you know, long story short, I just came to a place where I thought to myself, how can I just fill that void within? And one day I asked my father sort of a hypothetical question, but it was actually, I was talking about myself. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, isn't it easier for, for anyone to go to hell than to heaven? And my father's question was, well, you know, you are only asking that question because people don't fully understand the love and grace of God. Wow. And, and my father, you know, knew that I was talking about myself, but, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, embarrass me or to, to kind of put me on spot, but gave me enough for me to think about, you know, my life and where I'm going and, and how I need to, to turn back. Looking back, I know I know that God was working in me and, and through me. And I got to a place where I said, let me learn about this God, learn about Christ for myself. And so uh, I felt like first time in my life, I was reading Bible for myself. I began to go to church for myself, for my own spiritual growth. 
And in that experience, uh, I was so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus Christ uh, that I just broke down and said, God, you know, um, have it your way. I surrender myself to you. And as a result of that experience, God called me into ministry. However, it was a month and a half before my graduation. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it is, yeah. it is very, very, you know, it's not typical. Uh, you know, you usually graduate and, and, and go off and, uh, and, and begin your career. Uh, but that was not the case for me. I felt like I, I had to go through that, that season of just wondering to find Christ mm-hmm. for myself when, you know, Christ was there with me. Jesus was there with me every step of the yeah, way. So you had to go through the valley, as they say. Yeah, or, you know, some people may call it the wilderness experience. <laughs> wilderness experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how has that uh, psychology degree uh, helped you in the ministry or helped you understand? Um, j- just a general psychology. general psychology. It was an undergrad level. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically starting from, you know, as all the other college students, Psychology 101. Yeah. And then, you know, just taking all the classes from... Um, you know, understanding the minds and, uh, you know, the psychology of human being, uh, but also going into research. And initially, when I accepted to go into ministry, you know, I thought to myself, man, I, I wasted my tuition. I wasted, wasted my time. If I would have just allowed God to just work through my knuckled headedness, <laughs> uh, you know, I would have been done with my, you know, theology program long time ago. But it's just amazing how, you know, in Romans 8.28, it says all things work together for good. And, um, you know, God reminds me over and over again that uh, the time that I thought I have wasted, you know, He continues to use that, you know, for His glory. Uh, as far as psychology is concerned, the, um, you know, how to research uh, when it comes to topic theme, when you're getting ready for Bible studies or having a pastoral counseling or preparing for sermon, a message has helped me greatly. Even before I went to seminary and went through the program to be trained as, as a pastor. Um, also, you know, as a pastor, I am not a licensed therapist, but understanding and really appreciating you know, what clinical psychologists do, you know, at a university settings or at a clinic, at an office. And so through that program really uh, helped me understand, you know, the value and the importance, how crucial it is as a pastor to be there for not just the members, but people in the community. And uh, everybody have struggles and issues and and uh, difficulties in their lives. And, and so to have a uh, listening year, uh, and I don't claim to be the expert at it, mm-hmm. uh, but at least I was able to gain, you know, much appreciation in my program. More and more, I look back, I'm so glad that I went through that experience with the psychology program before I embarked upon my theology program. Because mm-hmm. I know that to, in today's day and age, there's a lot of thing on, on, on mental health. Like, yes. I'll, I'll, there's a lot of awareness being brought up on mental health and, and having that psychology Plus, you're a minister. Have come. I think that that's a powerful combination of being able to help somebody, but also guide them to Christ. Right, right. And I, you know, I just mentioned to you that I have a brother-in-law who has autism, uh, and so you know, from a mental disorder to people who are suffering with uh, clinical depression um, and other, you know, anxiety-related difficulties and challenges. Just, you know, having the understanding that 
there are folks out there that are struggling with these things and uh, and they're not really sure how they can communicate to connect to someone to gain help. And so as a church, I really believe that, uh, you know, we exist because we want to teach and preach the Word of God, but also I see a great value in doing something practical as well to meet people where they are, uh, you know, in their struggles and in their difficulties. And so, yes, you know, most definitely going through the, uh, the psychology background has helped me to uh, at least gain understanding and appreciation of that. Uh, taking a little a little bit further back, so uh, you mentioned and talking that you you lived in Japan. You were born in Japan. Yes. Right. So, uh, how long did you did, did you live there in Japan? I was born uh, in uh, Tokyo, Japan. I was uh, born uh, at a uh, Seventh Avenue Hospital there. Basically, yeah, I was born and raised there till age 13. During the time in Japan, due to my father's, you know, education and uh, continuing education, we came to the United States twice, uh, when I was about four or five years old, and then, you know, when I was 13 years of age. So you were there till, until like 13 years of age. So uh, my follow-up question would be like, how does the Seventh-day Adventist Church differ from Japan to United States. One of the things that uh, I really appreciate about Seventh Avenue Church is that we hold dear to to the message and also the teachings when it comes to what we uphold as far as what we believe as Seventh Avenue Christians. And so, you know, at least I can speak for Japan and also United States. All the things that I have learned, you know, as a child, it's all compatible. That I come to Needles and then I go to Barstow and in my former church where there's a commonality or the common thread where, you know, we look at one another and say, all right, you know, no matter where we are, no matter where we go, we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, before we go into the doctrines of, you know, Seventh-day Adventists and what we believe, just the mere fact that we believe in the same God, you know, Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe we have different pronunciation when it comes to the name of Jesus, uh, but uh, when we talk with one another and, and also, you know, you and I, uh, you know, we can call each other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so, um, yes, I see from Japan and here in the United States, yeah, there's a lot of commonality. Uh, but at the same time, there are differences when it comes to maybe the way we worship. Uh, of course, the language is different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a cultural component of it. But as far as the underlying teachings and what we believe are all the same. So um, I I don't know if you've been back or oh, but I'm pretty sure you have friends over there and, and their pastors. Are, yes. Uh, and I know and right now in Tokyo, Japan, there's there's that that big uh, media movement, you know, of popular popular media. You guys, you would say yes, Pokemon, all that stuff. So uh, what are some of the things that your pastor friends or the, you know, that right. your churches are doing that are, you know, trying to keep the, the youth right. in the church in Japan, because I believe, right. I'm pretty sure it's really, really hard because with yes, everything you yes. can, can do over there. Yeah, uh, just, and that's a great, great question. And uh, just a, just a backstory, uh, you know, before I answer your question, is that in Japan, um, Japan is, you know, literally, you know, just stricken with uh, materialism, mm -hmm. uh, consumerism, uh, you know, capitalism. And then also the uh, the main uh, religions uh, there in Japan are Buddhism and Shintoism. Uh, and so uh, with all of that, uh, in Shintoism, they believe in uh, so-called, you know, not just one God, but there's God in the fire and God in the wind. And, you know, and so 
there's a lot of uh, the aspects within the culture that makes Christianity so difficult and so challenging. And so, you know, as a result of that, presently, you know, when you look at the percentage, less than 1% of the Jap- Japanese population are Christians. And, wow. and these are Protestant and Catholic, uh, you know, Christians combined. And then out of that less than 1%, the, the less than 1% of that 1%, are Seventh-day Adventist Christians. And so all my life, you know, I have seen my mentors and pastors, you know, try to do everything to, you know, from A to Z, try to, you know, understanding that, you know, we can't, we, we have to grow young when it comes to our churches, uh, our concern. And, uh, and all the people are growing old and, uh, and there's no one, you know, to, to follow behind. To take on the uh, the helms of, of leadership, and also, you know, when it go when you go to the theology school the, or the missionary school there in Japan, um, theology students, you know, pastoral those that are in pastoral training are just a handful. And so, presently, what the leadership have decided to do is understanding the power of empower empowerment and empowering our young people, equipping them so that they can be the hands and feet to reach out to the young people in, in, in their generation. So they have a initiative called the Youth Rush Japan, and, uh, and we have missionaries coming from United States. And, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the missionaries that, uh, that continues to serve there is um, uh, one of the doctors, uh, the well-known doctors within the Japanese Adventist community. I believe uh, the, the doctor's name is Pastor Fukuda, but his, uh, his son's name is Dan Fukuda. Uh, along with him and other uh, youth leaders uh, and young adults are being equipped and empowered by the Japan Union Conference to go out and to share the gospel. And they are doing it, and they're doing it successfully because they know how to speak to them, you know, through, like what you said, the popular culture like Pokemon or, Mm -hmm. you know— uh, all the other comic and, and anime, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you got this whole, you know, slew of the generation, uh, the kids out there, the millennials that, you know, are born and raised in that culture. And the culture has kind of spilled over to here, you know, here in the United States, yeah. all over the world. And it's it's like a movement. And so they are utilizing everything that, that they can put their hands on to make the the gospel of Christ relevant. Uh, to to the generation that we are trying to reach. So there's mission there's mission work not only in third world countries but in first world countries like yes, like Japan, you know, Tokyo. You know, you said less than one percent is at Venice. So we know that there's still work to be done. And yes, even even in first world countries. <laughs> yes. yes. So that that's that that's that's also an eye opener for everybody. You know. Yeah, and it's it's amazing how you know you go to Japan and you feel like they got it all. You feel like they got all the texts in the world and they have all the riches in the world. But when it comes to the poverty, poverty in their heart, in their soul, and uh, there's, there's much need there. And uh, there's much work to be done before the Lord returns. So in, in previous sermons that you, you had mentioned that, you know, when, when you first heard that you were going to be moved from, from your previous church to this church, you were a little bit hesitant. Can you just uh, expand expand on that a little bit? And uh, and my follow up question to that would be: uh, What sign did you receive, or who did you talk to that you thought to yourself, "Oh yeah, there's gonna be we're we're gonna be fine here." 
Um, after graduating from Pacific Union College, my first assignment uh, as a pastor was moving down to Orange County. There's a city called Westminster, and there was a church called Westminster Good Samaritan Church. Now they have launched uh, a new name for themselves, and they call themselves uh, Relove Church. R-E-L-O-V-E. And, uh, you know, just a quick backstory on that name is that, you know, being the kind of church where we're going out into the community and going out to, to, to those who have left the church for whatever the reason it may be, or giving up on, on the faith and, you know, and, and faith in God, faith in Christ, and, um, and, and creating opportunities for them to love God again. Thus, you know, yeah. re- re-loved church. Anyway, just from the day one, I fell in love with the church, um, and um, I served there in different capacities from working with children, working with youth, working with some of the language groups, such as uh, Japanese ministry, to serving as an associate pastor. And and all throughout my time there, um, I, I really enjoyed, you know, working behind the scenes, you know, as an assistant, you know, taking the assistant role, uh, supporting cast, so to speak. And, uh, you know, just loving the the camaraderie of the diversity and and uh, and working with people. And so I served there for the last 23 and, yeah, almost 24 years uh, before I came to Barstool and Needles. So, uh, yeah, pretty much uh, half of my life, yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've invested and— um, uh, you know, that was a church that, uh, you know, a lot of first has happened for me. Uh, first of everything, from starting out, uh, you know, with my pastoral ministry uh, to starting out in different capacity when it comes to ministry from children to adult, uh, you know, working with the language groups and uh, and also serving as an associate. Also, I met my, my wife and got married there. Uh, my wife got baptized there. Uh, and so, yeah, there's just a lot of memories and uh, experience that went into that church. Um, and, you know, as I was talking to God, you know, I was saying, God, you know, I am comfortable where I am, mm-hmm. you know, keep me under the radar. And uh, and then, you know, uh, I could just cruise control and, 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 uh, and basically enjoy my life there in Orange County until I retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I retire, maybe I could uh, volunteer as a greeter and, uh, and greet till the day I die. So that was pretty much the uh, kind of overall, you know, thought that I had behind. So, but one day uh, I got a call, and this was about a year ago that I got, I got a call from the regional headquarter of our church organization saying that it's time for you to step up and, and move forward and, and, and take lead. And so I sat down with some of the officials, letting them know that, you know, I'm, I'm okay where we are and uh, <laughs> comfortable where we are. <laughs> yeah. And and more I began to verbalize that, you know, I started to really hear myself speaking. And I really believe that, you know, growth does not happen when you are comfortable. And growth only happens when you put yourself out of the comfort zone to do something different. And so, you know, uh, long story short, I, I just, it's it's been very clear from, you know, more and more as I began, as I you know began to pray about it, to wrestle with God about this possible move, you know, began to feel it in my heart and eventually be convicted that God was pushing me to uh, take on a new challenge. And so it, it was definitely a, um, a, a difficult decision to to make. But even through the difficulties, there was a sense of hope and, and peace that everything was going to be all right. 
Uh, it was almost as though God said, okay, James, I'm just going to take you away from this environment and, uh, and you're going to be on my agenda moving forward. And uh, everything that you preached about, everything that you teached about when it comes to faith in God, trusting in God, you know, these basic Christianity 101, I'm going to put it to the test. And God has been doing that. And just, you know, walking in His footsteps and to be able to not just preach and teach, but to speak out of my experience to say, man, it is it is challenging to trust God. You know, it is yeah. challenging not to, <laughs> yeah. you know, not depending on my abilities or my education or my know-how mm-hmm. and to go out into the, the world of unknown. So, yeah, uh, going back to, you know, what you have questioned at the beginning about the move, the transition, for a minute there, you know, it was a scary thought. It was uncomfortable. But when I finally yielded to God saying, God, you take full control, you take my wheel, is when I began to have an overwhelming sense of peace. And it's been like that uh, till this day. And uh, there's just, just this, just I don't know, this overwhelming, exuding sense of uh, not just peace, but also excitement as to what God is, you know, uh, g- that God is going to do not only in and through my life, but through our new Barstow and, and Needles Church family, family as well. So you... You went a little bit into my last question was yes. uh, um, now in the new district. What what do you hope to achieve? But most importantly, what do you what do you hope to learn in in, in this new experience that 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 you're embarking now with your family? Right, right. Um, learning that God has everything under control. Uh, really learn and experience and understand for myself. And one of the things that I do not want to do is I'm just giving my kids my lip service. So if I'm going to talk about God or if I'm going to talk about life in general, if I'm going to talk about what faith looks like in your life, you know, in their lives, I, I want to be able to speak from my experience to say, all right, son, it is difficult. It is challenging. But with God, all things are possible. One of the things that I want to to learn out of this experience is to continue to uphold the faith and be steadfast and immovable. I look at a lot of the characters in the Bible, and uh, even when they tripped and fell, they will pick themselves up and they will continue to press on and move forward. And I'm trying to understand what keeps people going, you know, and pushing forward in their life through the challenges and through the issues and insecurities and uh, the difficulties that we all face in life. And uh, when it comes down to it, just yielding themselves to God. So I just want to, uh, you know, just like what John the Baptist said, I'm going to decrease so that Christ will increase. And I want to see that firsthand panning out, you know, in my life. And so that when someone comes to me and say, you know, hey, James, you know, hey, pastor, you know, uh, can you, you know, share with me a little bit about, you know, this God that you believe that I can truly, you know, speak, you know, out of my own experience, you know, not because of the know-how or, you know, just bringing you some theory or, you know, a good information. I think if you want that, people can just Google. Yeah. And if you can just, <laughs> you know, search correctly, you can get the, all the answers there, you know. And so that's, you know, uh, number one thing that uh, not just, you know, wanting to learn, but I, you know, we are, both my wife and I are learning as we, as we speak. The achieve part, it's more so, you know, not so much what I want to uh, achieve, but what we can achieve together as a team, meaning together as a church family. 
And so uh, step one is for me to take time to learn from you and learn from the uh, each of the uh, the leadership of Needles Church and the uh, the church family members here. And even going as far as to getting to know their extended family members, you know, possibly their cousins, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, their friends. And, uh, and and eventually, you know, really beginning to you know understand the community in which God has called us to serve. So, uh, you know, as far as achieving is uh, more so what we can achieve together as a family, as, as a group. And, and uh, uh, one of the things that I really believe, you know, when it comes to leadership is that, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer of uh, relational leadership, meaning that uh, not exercising my authority, but uh, really rub shoulders with you, maybe ramen with you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then we turn around and have tacos together with you and and, uh, and just spend out, uh, spend together, hang out together, getting to know one another, to do life together. And then, you know, we get excited about some of the ways that we can not only impact our present congregation here at Needles Church, but also how we can make inroads uh, you know, with the people in our community. I really believe that we have, you know, beautiful and wonderful message of hope uh, when it comes to, you know, Christ and what he has done for each and every one of us. And also, you know, talking about the soon coming uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But also there's so many things in the Bible that, that you know, that, that teaches us and talks about that really adds value to the life that we are living right now. Uh, like, for example, if you are going through, you know, uh, a s- season in your life that's full with anxiety and stress, you know, uh, how do you deal with that? And what does Bible teach us that? Uh, and, and also, you know, when you, you know, go into, you know, not, not just the Bible, but some of the message that we have when it comes to, uh, like, health. And I know that, you know, uh, in, in the world today, people are in the health craze. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I really believe that we can— Share, you know, so much, you know, to our community um, um, from the, uh, you know, uh, f- from not just the, the things that are being taught in the Bible, but also some of the resources that we have uh, to present to our community. Uh, what I'm, what I'm excited is that how God will work in and through our our church family, and together getting excited as far as what we can do to not just better our church inside, but how we can make impact in the um, community, the city that we are called to serve and to do so in a practical way. えー、皆さん今日は、えー、私たちの、えー、ポッドキャストを、えー、お聞きくださいまして、心から感謝いたしたいと思います。えー、また、えー、次の機会あ、ポッドキャストをお聞きくださることを心からお願いいたしたいと思います。どうもありがとうございました。Thank you for listening and God bless.